everybody. Good morning, good morning. Well, Merry uh, Christmas season. I'm excited to jump into this Advent season with you guys. Just as a reminder, there's a Connect card on your seat or nearby. If you want to fill that out, we'd love to get to know you and just to connect with you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. So especially if it's this Christmas, you know, it's the season uh, where, where people come and you might be here because, you know, your aunt or your grandma or somebody, you know, uh, told you if you're going to come to my house, you got to come to church, right? So uh, we're glad that you're here, and I want you to keep your, your ears open. For whatever reason you might be here today, uh, God has you here on purpose. So you may not know that, but God does. Uh, and he wants to share with you a message about his love and about his faithfulness and the goodness of the gospel today. And I hope you have ears to hear what God is going to say. As Dad was mentioning, there's so many good things happening in the life of this church uh, so many reasons why we continue to invest, and I just want to reemphasize that, that this December is so big, and your investment is so big for us continuing to do the work that God has called us to do. I want to give you three categories for that we hope in 2023 to really invest in. One is the next generation, the second is multiplication, and the third is communication. So we made them rhyme for you, all right? Next generation is, like they said, building strong families, investing in the internship, youth, uh, really helping, making sure that the gospel is being passed on to the next generation. That's uh, investing in the preschool, which has gone to six kids to 11 kids, which could go more and more and more uh, if we could hire more teachers and do things like that in it. We could have 50 kids down there uh, if we invested the money in it and were able to do that. And so there's so many ways we want to do that. With multiplication, uh, continuing to start other city lights in other places, letting the gospel go forward from here everywhere uh, as the Lord continues to <coughs> open up doors here and around the world. And then with communication, making sure that we're working. Uh, social media is a mission field. That's how we should think about it, like, a, like an unreached people group uh, for us to go serve. We want to make sure we're doing our best to do that well. And so as you invest this December, those are the three primary things we're hoping to see the Lord work in. Uh, this morning, we're going to look in Luke chapter 1. So go ahead and open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Yes, All right. During this Advent season, we're going to do a short series these next three weeks called The Eyes of Advent. The Eyes of Advent. My, my goal is that we would see Jesus rightly so that we can serve him readily. We're going to look back at the eyes, through the eyes, through the lens of those who saw Jesus or who are a part of this initial coming of Jesus Christ to the world, particularly Mary. Zechariah, the shepherds, and Simeon. These are the four type of people and groups that we're going to look at. We're going to see what did they see when Jesus came, and how can that affect my understanding of Jesus today? And so maybe some of you, you've been coming to church forever, you know, or you know basic ideas of what Jesus came to do, and I want to help give you a refresher and remind you and hopefully captivate your heart once again on these truths. And there might be some of you who haven't heard much about Jesus or don't know really why Jesus came, I hope to introduce you to him this morning so that you can see what they saw so that you can know what they know about God's love for you in Jesus. This is a really exciting time for us to celebrate who Jesus is and what he has done for us. I want to give you a quick picture why it's so important. So basically as we look at Luke chapter 1 and 2, we're going to be putting on the glasses, the lens of these two chapters of the Bible to help us see Jesus rightly. And to want to see something rightly, you have to first think you're not seeing it correctly, right? So, but when you go to the eye doctor, the first thing they do is test to see whether you're seeing things rightly, and they only correct your vision, right? If you can't see A, B, C, D, you start to get those letters wrong, 
which I feel like even when my eyes are good, I can't see those things. It's so, so far away. Uh, you got to get it right. And so some of us don't even know that our vision is incorrect. Some of us in this room or watching online don't even know that our understanding of Jesus is incorrect or at least not fully what it needs to be. Uh, one time I went, so I had problems uh, with my contacts, I remember, and I was getting ready to go for a run, and I can't run in glasses. I don't know how many of you have ever, you know, runners in here, but uh, I just, my glasses are like, you know, they look like Harry Potter glasses, all right? They're not like running glasses. They're not, they're not basketball glasses. They're just wearing glasses, and I can't run in those things that would fall off, and my contacts were driving me crazy, and I just thought, hey, look, I mean, I can't, without my contacts, I cannot see, okay? It's very, you know, you definitely should not drive a car. Uh, I can, this, I have to get like this. Anything near, I'm like super nearsighted, okay? Like right in front of my face nearsighted. So I decided, I say, look, I'm, it's no worries. It's just a running trail. I can do that blurry, you know? I can do that blurry. That's no problem. Uh, <laughs> and so I thought, okay, great. So I just took my contacts out and I just went for my run. And I just remember everything being so off and weird, and like sticks would look like snakes. You know, I'd be jumping like, hey, oh, oh. You know, I'd be so scared, everything around. I'm like, people are, I'm like, is that a deer or a child? I don't know what's coming my way. Should I, you know, the whole thing, I just lived in constant like fear during the run because uh, I couldn't see correctly. And this really bothered me, and all I needed to do was obviously put my contacts back in, but. Uh, some of us, because we're not seeing things correctly, you know, our perspective on life is so off. Things that we don't need to be afraid of, we're afraid of because we're not seeing things rightly. Things that would be clearer to us, that would help us navigate our circumstances, can be more clear than they are. And I just want you to understand this morning that wherever you're at in life, there are some things that you are not seeing rightly, and the reason why you're living in fear, or the reason why you're living in anxiety, or the reason why you're so discouraged or frustrated, these things are happening not just because of your life circumstances, but because you're not seeing things rightly. Okay, you're trying to run life without your contacts in, and you need to get a right view of Jesus, because when you get a right view of Jesus, everything else begins to make sense. But you have to start with him. Nothing in life is going to make sense without understanding the God who made life. And so this is important for us to do. I want you to see how important it is for us to all see Jesus rightly. It isn't a, just a theology question. It isn't just a book question. It's a question that affects how you live your life. And so I want to help you this morning see Jesus rightly so you can serve him readily and so that you can live without fear and trust in him. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. The context of this particular section is a very simple part of it. Mary's already been told, okay? She's already been given, the, the mother of Jesus, already been given the message from the angel, hey, you are supernaturally going to have the savior of the world, okay? And she's like, wow, that's crazy, you know? So she believes this message. She goes and visits her friend Elizabeth, who is also pregnant with John the Baptist, a little more pregnant than Mary is. Remember, John the Baptist is going to prepare the way. And Elizabeth proclaims a blessing over Mary. And in light of this huge thing happening in her life, Mary breaks out in a song of praise to the Lord and a poem of praise to the Lord. This is what she says, and that's what we're going to read. So, so what does the coming of Jesus look like through the eyes of Mary? That's the question for us this morning. And how can this adjust my perspective? So Mary said, my soul <clears throat> magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. For he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So we're going to stop there. And this is what we see through the eyes of Mary about who Jesus really is to us. And what does celebrating Christmas mean? Today, uh, we're going to see four different things or three different things about God over these next few weeks. But today, we're going to see the generosity of God. That's the title of the message today is I want us to see the generosity of God. And this is so important because we as human beings are so prone to see the lack. We're so prone to see the empty places. This is what often gets our attention. I'm sure so many of you came in here this morning thinking about the empty places of your life, the places of your life that aren't what you wish they were, the places of your life where you don't have what you think that you need, the places of your life where you feel discouraged, when you feel upset, where you just feel a lack to say, I don't have the thing which I want or which I think that I need. This is so true for our life as we're living on this broken earth that we're going to have seasons and times and live consistently with areas of lack and empty places in terms of this earth. And this is often what gets our attention. This is natural from the very beginning. Anybody who's raised kids knows that they don't think about the things they have. They think about the things they don't have. All right? It's just it's amazing. That's not fair is like a three words that must come out of every kid's mouth. I don't, and they're just, you know, it's just natural to them to say, well, that's not fair. I'm like, you're literally sitting there, like, eating ice cream. Be like, that's not fair. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, how in the world can you think this way? You know, we're just talking about some random thing, somebody else getting something. And they're like, that's not fair. I'm like, what in the world? But you guys know. You guys know it's intuitive to us. It's just natural for us to focus and to give our attention on the things that we don't have. And it can especially come up in times of the holiday seasons where some of you, and for good reason, are really struggling, and you might feel really lonely, or you might feel really upset, or maybe this is the time of year where you remember something that's not good, or you feel a lack, you feel an emptiness, you feel a hole, you wish things were different, and you're prone then to take the lens of your life and to place it as how you view God. And you've taken the lack that you're experiencing in life, and you may not say it out loud, but you feel in your heart, man, Maybe God is withholding something from me. What did I do? Or why would God treat me this way? And what I want you to know from the scriptures, what I want you to see today, I want you to be overwhelmed by the generosity of God. That God has been and is being and will be abundantly good to you. That especially in Christ, God has over-blessed you. God has given you in Christ more than you ever deserve. And in Christ, God has over-blessed you. He has been overly generous to you. 
Now, there are those of you who know Christ this morning. You're saying you need, you need the right perspective. And there might be some of you who don't even know Christ this morning. You don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, and you feel the same things. You feel that sense of lack. You feel that sense of emptiness. And I want you to know that God has been generous in giving you life, and he wants to be abundantly generous by giving you eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to save your soul through his life, death, and resurrection. If you would put your faith in him, God would be overly generous to you in giving you eternal life. And that's the call on you this morning. But here's three ways. This is going to be a simple message this morning. I have been out with the flu pretty much all week, okay? And I wish I could say while I was laying in my bed Wednesday that the Lord spoke to me. But I was dead, okay? I was just, you know, I, I had never been. Boy, whoa, that was rough, okay? So I have been resurrected, all right? And I am here. And I have, I have a message this morning, all right? But it's coming from a flu week, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what I got, all right? So uh, three things. The first thing is this. I want us to see God's generosity to me personally. See God's generosity to me personally. I love how Mary personalizes this message. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices, get this, in my Savior. He has done great things for me. This is so important to focus and to see God's generosity to me personally. If you're breaking down this praise for Mary, it's half of it's personal, of a private thanksgiving, and half of it's public, a corporate act of worship. She gives God praise for her personal situation, and she gives God praise for what he's doing in the life of the people of God and in the world in general. But so often we get so focused on God in general terms, that we forget how personal he has been to us. She says, God is my Savior. He's my Savior. He's not just our Savior. He's not just the Savior of the world. She says, he's mine. He has been generous to me. How many of you just need that simple reminder this morning? You say, God is my Savior. He's mine. Not just the Savior. He came for me. How wonderful that is as you consider the coming of Jesus Christ to consider that in God's sovereignty, he had a lot of things on his mind, but you were one of them. That when Jesus came to the world, part of his plan included your face, your story, your life. Eight billion people on the planet now, and many, many more have lived over time, and God is still personal to you. Don't lose that this Christmas. Remember, if you are in Christ and have put your trust in Jesus, you need to say often this Christmas, he's mine. He's my Savior. Too often we look at the great things that God is doing for someone else, and we neglect the great things God has done for me. She says, he has done great things for me. And that's simply what you need to be processing and considering because so often as you're scrolling or doing everything, you think, man, he's doing great things for them. He's doing great things over there. My life is a mess as opposed to just looking at God's generosity in Christ and saying over your situation, God has done great things for me. 
Just profess that over your life because you know it's true in Christ. Even when your situation is difficult, this reality is still true. God has worked his mighty hand. God has used the strength of his might. God has used the love in his heart. And he has poured that out on you. He has been generous and merciful in Christ to you. No matter what your situation is this Christmas, you in Christ can say with great authority, God has done great things for me, for me, for me. This is personal. This is personal for Mary. It's personal to God, and I want you to know God wants to be personal to you. If you are here today and you are not in a current relationship with Jesus, God has brought you here to let you know that he wants to be personal with you. You are not just a number in the world to him. You are not overlooked by him. You are not insignificant to him. God values your life. God made you so that he can get personal with you. The only relationship that will ever satisfy your soul is the one you find in Jesus Christ. And I hope you find that today. I want to also show you this beautiful reality of what Mary is rejoicing in. Look at this. So Mary's rejoicing in the reality that God has blessed her, not only with this amazing circumstance, but with this amazing role in the kingdom of God. She is honored in this moment to be chosen by God for a role of honor. Mary thinks, who am I that God would choose me to play such a significant role in the world today? Mary thinks, man, who am I, this little teenage girl, that God would choose me to play such a significant role in this day? And the honor that God has bestowed upon Mary just wells her up with praise and thanksgiving. And I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you and I have the same joy, that we are chosen for a role of honor. You may feel overlooked this Christmas. You may feel neglected this Christmas. You may feel lonely this Christmas. You may feel like nobody needs you this Christmas. You may feel like that your role or your life doesn't have much honor. But I want you to know, I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, just like Mary, you have been chosen for a role of honor. You have been chosen by God for a role of honor. It's called being a son or a daughter of the king. It's called being an ambassador of Jesus. It's called being a friend of God. It's called being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It's called having a purpose on this earth. God has chosen you for a role of honor. And in Christ Jesus, just like Mary, you can be honored this morning. You are important this morning because God has deemed it to be so. Just like Mary, in just a significant way, Mary had Jesus within her, but so it is with us in Christ. Spiritually, Jesus dwells in you. And this is the role of honor you have been given by God. So if you feel like you don't have much this Christmas, and if you feel like you aren't much this Christmas, know this, that God has chosen you in Christ for a role of honor. And he dwells in you by his spirit. So see God's generosity to me personally. I think this is going to change a lot about your life and hopefully your time in Advent this season. I remember one time when my kids got letters in the mail from their nana, my mom, 
So she had impromptu, you know, she had just written letters to them, just, you know, like grandmas do, and she sent it in the mail, and she put stickers in it and all these things, and they got the letters in the mail, and uh, they read them, and they were so excited, you know, kids are so excited about stickers. I'm like, yeah, stickers, you know, so they're, they're, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden, they all decide to write letters back to her, and they are prompted to write letters back to her, so they're all getting their own things, and they're finding ways, and they're trying to figure out how to mail letters, you know, it's this real, real cute thing, and in this moment, I considered how uh, that they hadn't been thinking about writing letters to Nana, but then Nana wrote letters to them, and her personal touch to them engaged their hearts and led to a personal response to her. And I wonder, maybe the stuckness or the reason why you aren't thinking much about showing affection and love to God is because you're not receiving the love God's given to you. God has written a letter to you in the Bible. God has poured out his love to you in Jesus. And if you simply overlook that, you will not engage your heart in response to God. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so Jesus coming, this, this a reminder of the fact that Jesus has come, and as we focus on that this Christmas, is a good reminder that God has sent Jesus and has written this book called the Bible to expressly speak to you and that if you would engage with him in the word of God, your heart would be inflamed with love for him and that you would respond in praise and adoration. This thing that's happening with Mary can't be forced. You can't fake it. You can't sit there and say, my heart praises the Lord. But if you will engage in God's love for you, then you will grow in love for God. God has been personal to you. And if you would take his personal touch, you would be personal with him. And you would find much joy in that this Christmas. So see God's generosity to me personally. The second thing is this. See God's generosity to the lowly. See God's generosity to the lowly. Look what she says. That he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He has brought down the mighty, and it says he has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. What we see about the reality of Christmas here as well is that God is the great equalizer. It is in God that the place, everything gets flattened and the low get brought up and the high get brought down and everybody gets the same and an even ground in the eyes of God. It's Christmas, actually, that if you talk about we want justice in the world, we want equality, Christmas does that. Jesus coming into the world and, and doing what he did to save our souls he comes for the lowly. He rises and deals with oppression. It is in Christ Jesus that we deal with oppression and injustice. It is Jesus is the one who does it. If you want a solution for that, the only ultimate solution you have will never be found in a human being, but only be found in Jesus. If you're out here seeking justice for the world, good for you. But you and me are never going to accomplish that. The only answer for ultimate justice and for things to be made right is found in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And so we pursue that as the church. We join Jesus in that. Yes and amen. We, we fight for that. We fight for the oppressed. We do these things. Obviously, it's what we're doing all over the world is serving the poor and marginalized, taking care of the needy, serving the orphan and the widow. This is what we're doing. Praise God for that. And we will continue to do that as long as we live. But the ultimate solution for justice and for things being made right and for the high and those who misuse authority and abuse 
being brought low and the low, those being overlooked and marginalized being brought up, isn't in you and I's efforts, but in the Jesus who has come for us. I want you to know that. And in a generation of those who want to seek justice for the world, praise God for that desire, but that has to be channeled into a love for Jesus because when we bring about his kingdom, we see ultimate justice. Only God can make the low come down and bring the low up. And he's the only one who can do that. So if we want to join in bringing justice to the world, then we have to join in God's kingdom to see the low come up and to see him bring down the high because only in Jesus Christ are things made equal for all. Only in Jesus Christ. So take that good desire that the world is cultivating in you, especially my young ones here, you know. I say, I'm old now, okay, I got six kids, so I may be 36, but I feel 56, all right? So I'm old, all right? And to say, take all that energy, channel it to the gospel, use your life to do good works, but in the name of Jesus, and put your faith and trust in Jesus to be the ultimate one who will settle all things and make all things right. This is the point of the cross, everyone. In, cross, in the cross of Jesus Christ, all things get made right. Every sin that's ever been committed gets either taken care of on the cross through Jesus taking care of it for you, or gets taken care of in God's judgment, punished in a place called hell forever, separated from God. But at the end of the day, and only in Christ Jesus does this work, it doesn't work in any other religion, it doesn't work in any other spiritual concept, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I want you to know this is true, just technically true, that there is no other path towards ultimate justice, which includes mercy and justice, right punishment, and also forgiveness. It brings all those together. The only solution for that ever found in the history of the universe is the cross. It's not found in Allah, it's not found in Buddha, it's certainly not found in secularism, atheism, materialism. None of those offer solutions for the desire of our hearts that all things would be made right. The only thing that makes all things right is the coming of this little baby Jesus Christ who grows up to be the son of God and who dies on the cross for our sins in Christ Jesus. This is the message of Christmas. All things will be made right. And Christianity, and specifically Jesus himself, is the only one, the only one in the history of the world that offers this solution. Go look it up. Go search every religion you ever want to. Go search every way of thinking you ever want to. There's nothing like the cross. There's nothing. And this is what we celebrate this Christmas, because when Jesus comes, he sets the stage to make everything right. And I want you to know this morning that if you're feeling lowly and overlooked, marginalized, unseen, that Jesus particularly came to make sure that you are seen. He came to tell you that he sees you, that he loves you, that he knows you, that he honors you, that he made you, and that you're special to him. And so if you feel that way this Christmas, I want to bestow honor on you today, the honor that comes from Jesus, that you are made in his image, that you matter, that your life has significance, worth, and value. And Jesus came to lift you up and to uphold your hand. He came for you. Jesus doesn't overlook anyone. 
And this is also what prompts us, as I said, to go serve the lowly, the marginalized, the poor. As we talk about being generous this Christmas, it is the very heart of Jesus for us to take the resources that we have been given and to leverage them to prioritize uplifting the lowly and the marginalized and the oppressed and the poor and to go into dark and hard places and help deliver women from prostitution and to help grow and to help children grow in the faith and to help do these things all throughout the world, to help defend the cause of the orphan and the widow, to do that in Africa and the Philippines and Mexico, do that in D.C. and in Annandale, Nova, and to do that all over the world. This is the heartbeat of Christmas. It isn't just lights and good feels, but it's an act of war on the darkness to say Jesus came to start a fight. Jesus came to, to settle and make things right. Jesus came to bring light into the darkness. And so as we celebrate this Christmas and as we enjoy fireside candles and pine-scented candles and as we put lights up and sing nice Christmas songs and have all the vibes that we want, we remember as well that as Christians, we are called to bring light into the darkness. We join Jesus in his cause to go after and to uplift the lowly, both here and around the world. And we leverage the resources we have been given for this cause. And so I want you to consider that this December, that as you consider giving and as you consider what we're doing as a church, Christmas is about this. It is about the generosity of God, and particularly the generosity of God towards the lowly, and so as we, as we determine what to do with the resources we've been given, we ought to take God's priorities as well and be generous to the lowly. So that's the third, the second thing. The final thing is this. See God's generosity continually. So see God's generosity personally. See God's generosity to the lowly and see God's generosity continually. I love this. She ends here. She says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring for." ever. And this is what we saw also throughout Haggai, is that God keeps his promises. Let me encourage you this morning that God doesn't run out of the ability or the desire to be generous to you. God doesn't get exhausted with you. God doesn't get exasperated with you. God doesn't run out of the resources to bless you. God doesn't run out of the love that he needs to motivate, the love needed to motivate him to bless you and to love you. God doesn't run out of what he needs for you, and he doesn't run out of his love for you. So as you're sitting here this morning and contemplating your life, just know this, that God is acting towards you the same way he acted towards the people in the beginning of the Bible, towards the people in the middle of the Bible, towards the people in the New Testament, towards the people, you're the saints of old, and as he's acting towards you. He says, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, so he is to you. Just like that song that we sang, God is the same God. He was merciful then, he is merciful now. God has not run out of generosity and he has not run out of love for you. He has not run out. Let me tell you, he has not run out. He has not run out. You know, the other day, my wife ran out of gas in our big van in the middle of the road. I didn't ask her if I could share this story. <laughs> so if you don't see me next week, you'll know why. You'll know why. She ran out of gas in the middle of the road, and she had to go to an appointment, an important appointment. She had one of our kids with her. Uh, and so it was an emergency, you know, we got to get there, it can't be late, 15 minutes and you're done, you know, the appointment's over. Uh, and <laughs> so she called me and I had to, I tried to Uber her a car and it, it was hilarious, she got there at the 15 minute mark, you're like really right on, right on time. Uh, and then I had to go try to find a, a, a tank and try to, you know, get the gas filled up and 
couldn't get the dumb thing in the gas thing, and I was just sitting on the side of the road, just pouring gas all over the side of the road. It wouldn't go, wouldn't go in the gas thing right, and I eventually like kicked the thing in there. I wasn't sure what was happening, if I'm the dummy or the idiot or if the, the, the gas tank is wrong. Uh, it's never user error for me, though, so it must have been a problem with the gas thing. And eventually I got it, I got it in there, and the car was able to keep going, and we, we continued on with our lives, but I, I want you to know, I want you to know, this is so important for you, because this is how you think of God, when you say, man, I haven't really spent time with the Lord, I haven't been reading my Bible, man, I really screwed up this weekend, as if, as if now the car has been stalled out, and there's no gas in the tank, as if God doesn't have anything left to give you, and so now we create this gap in our life to say, man, I haven't been doing that great, or I haven't been living that well, and now it, it keeps us, it prevents us from actually going back to God, when all the while you need to know that Jesus came for these very purposes, that God never runs out of gas in the car of his love for you, and at any moment when you need it, God is there and willing to be generous with you. He is willing and able to be generous with you. God's generosity continues. His love, as the Bible says over and over again, is steadfast, meaning it's just like this, okay? And I just walk around this whole place, all right? God's love doesn't do this. It doesn't do this. It just does this forever. Just a straight line. doesn't dip in any way. It's just straight. You know? And that's how God's love is described in the Bible, and that's how it is here, and that's how it is for you. So remember God's generosity to you this Christmas. You may be seeing Jesus wrongly because you're basing who Jesus is based off of your circumstances, but the way you see your circumstances is blurry. And I want us to put on the lens of chapter 1 and 2 this, this season so that we can see Jesus rightly. God has been in Christ abundantly, incredibly generous with you. And so enjoy the generosity of God this Christmas. And maybe for some of you that means receiving Christ for the very first time, putting your faith in him, turning away from your sins, and trusting in him. That is God's call to you this morning. And for many of you, it may be a simple intentional reminder to not base your view of God on your circumstances or on the lack or on the disappointments or on the emptiness, but to go back to what he's done for you in Jesus and to remember how generous God has been with you, has been, is, and will be. All right, let me pray, and let's praise the Lord together. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we thank you for your generosity towards us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your kindness towards us. You have been too faithful. You have blessed us too much beyond what we deserve. And so I pray that we will remember that, that we will be encouraged by that this morning, that you would bless and lead us, God. And so we honor you, we praise you. Like Mary, we lift up a song of praise to you in this time. We worship you for who you are and what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's respond to the Lord.